passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. On Saturday, November 19th, post-wrestling turns five years old. This is Shane. Congrats on five years. I started listening to you guys before post-wrestling, off the strength of your Total Divas reviews, where Way would give a play-by-play of an episode and John would just kind of react. And I'm so glad I did, because you've created something really special with post-wrestling, and I'm really grateful to be a listener and to be part of this community. So... Congrats on five years. Here's to at least a hundred more. Leave your memories at memo.fm slash post wrestling and join us Saturday, November 19th at QXT's nightclub in Newark, New Jersey for our five year anniversary show presented by our friends at Real Digital. A live Q&A, the post-origin story, VIP meet and greet and event t-shirt with the largest gathering of the post community ever. Tickets available now at postwrestling.com slash live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Crown Jewel Post Show. I am John Pollock, along with the last woman standing this weekend, with all due respect to Bianca Belair, Kate from Montreal, back for her second consecutive day here of uh, WWE. I get to pair up with Way, and then you. This is fun. I like this. Yes, this is the uh, the the incredible partners gimmick that they did on the New Japan show <laughs> this morning as well. Well, here we are. It is uh, nearly four o'clock Eastern in the afternoon, and this is my rule: when you have an eight match show, six matches of which went no longer than fourteen minutes, there is no way that this should be going nearly four hours. This was a uh, a very long show, and. And we had, we had two, two 20 minute matches. It was, uh, it was still certainly a long time ago that the show began back at noon. I feel like it was a long time ago that the last match began. I feel like <laughs> it was a long time ago that the last match ended. I was just watching Roman sort of leave. Like I thought we were watching him walk all the way back from Riyadh. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, yes, yes, quite the show in, in that regard, just in terms of the layout. But this seems to be sort of the pattern of these, these premium live events that they are loaded with these video packages, both for like peacock obligations, but I really felt it on, on this particular show because it was a show that felt like it was going along. But I would say up until that last woman standing match, like that to me was the first match that really kind of stood out for me in a, in a notable way that I, I thought yeah. had, um, a, a big impact on, on people. So. Uh, we will be going through, uh, all of the, uh, the matches. So you can, uh, you can chime in. We have also sent out a, a StreamYard link for our double double ice cap and espresso patrons. So if you want to uh, call in at the end or you can provide your feedback up on the forum, we will be getting to those afterward. But I know you talked about it a little bit with way off the top on Friday, but just uh, coming into this show, Kate, we haven't done one of these Saudi Arabia shows with you no. in the past. Uh, where kind of do you view these ones? Like I certainly 
sense that, you know, especially when this deal began back in 2018, that there was a lot of resistance to these shows. And I think over time, I think there's still that really, yeah, that, that kind of, uh, balancing act that pe- that fans have to do with these shows. But it's also sort of a realization that this is a 10 year deal. These shows are what they are. It's not everyone's preference, but they have been more closely aligned that it's, it's sort of just an acceptance of what these shows represent. I think it's one of these things where it's like the, as, as you go on, uh, it just become it becomes one of those things. It's like, yeah, all right. It's something that you think about, uh, but it's not, you know, you, you sort of tune it out. Eventually it's, it's, there are a lot of things in the wrestling industry that people are aware of, but uh, for like, for instance, how easy it is for people to get very badly injured. Um, I think it's one of those things you sort of, you, you know, it's there, but you, you don't want to let it ruin your enjoyment of a show. Then you're, you're just going to have to force yourself to tune it out. Uh, in the case of these shows, they represent a huge, uh, portion, at least as one individual item, they represent a huge portion of WWE's, uh, income every year. And that's going to continue until the, the, the deal is up. And, uh, so yeah, it's just going to be, it's something that, uh, we, uh, you know, if you're a fan, you're going to have to accept and, uh, you can either use it to sort of try to raise awareness of why these sorts of deals may be problematic, or you can ignore it as, you know, as is your preference. I'm, more of a raising awareness kind of person, but I realized that, you know, I'm also just going to be sitting here reviewing this show and talking about things that I liked and didn't like. So absolutely, it's, like, uh, I, it's pretty, I, it's pretty difficult to be morally in the clear in any context. And this is certain being a wrestling fan is definitely one of those areas where it's, it's going to be unclear. Very much so. But I think it's still important to like, not just like disregard those issues either when it comes to these shows. Like I don't necessarily treat these as just any other shows. Um, but what was more surprising to you this year? Vince McMahon getting a hero's welcome after very public, uh, sexual misconduct allegations by an audience or MBS chance breaking out at a WWE press conference. I hate to put this this way. Neither of those things surprises me. Well, there, there you go. Welcome to uh, 2022. Um, <laughs> we will uh, disappoints get, get, me, maybe, but surprises don't. A very, a very surreal press conference on on Friday that that led into Ooh. this. And I mean, if, if there is one thing I thought pretty distinct about this um, this show by WWE is that. The period of like tiptoeing around Saudi Arabia, will we even say the name of the country? I mean, this was a far removal from that, where it was front and center promoting the country. I mean, th- th- there was there were no reservations and it f- felt like the most clear since that that very first show back in 2018 during the steal. Well, yeah, which was the only which was the one that happened like the but the second one was the one that happened right after the murder exactly. of Khashoggi. So that was the point. And at that point. Coming up to that show, The Undertaker was booed on TV when he said Riyadh. Like that did that did not go well. And people, that was the point at which people were really uh, struggling with the the idea of WWE doing these shows. That's been sort of that's fallen by the wayside. There hasn't been another incident like that where there was an individual targeted like Khashoggi. Um, and I think that that has very much worked in WWE's favor. And very clearly right now, they are 
they're they're comfortable going back to the way that the original the show was originally kind of presented, which was as an opportunity for the kingdom to promote itself uh, through the through a partnership with a Western uh, sports organization. Yeah, it's hardly uh, the only case where they're doing that. No, I mean we we won't get into a sidebar here. I mean, but with the World Cup coming up in, in Qatar, like there's going to be yeah. so much attention there, and you have Fox that is carrying the World Cup, and mm-hmm. they pretty much like we won't be covering that aspect of things. We're there to do the soccer. No, like, that's um, sort of no, no, no. This is always and look, the the World Cup is this happens every time. <laughs> there are always issues. Qatar is uh, a particularly uh, a difficult one. And I think it's received a lot of pushback also because just scheduling it there uh, has caused all sorts of problems within that world. And I, I, sorry, you just said you didn't want to do a sidebar and here I go. Uh, anyway. No, this but, is Kate's take. I, you, you, you <laughs> um, I think the WWE to a certain extent is benefiting from the fact that focus on what's happening in the Middle East is going to be, there's going to be a lot more attention placed on Qatar in than there is on Saudi Arabia because of the the World Cup and there have been a lot of a lot of problems raised with uh with the way that they got to host the tournament the way that the, some of the things that have happened in the build up to it like invite people to look into it so but as a result and it's almost like the pressure's a little bit off Saudi Arabia right now and so the WWE can just uh luxuriate in the uh uh, this this deal and in their uh, their their new partnership. Yes, this was, this was the event they sat back and you're like, this is the one where we can present a championship belt. I think that's that was the uh, the signifier mm-hmm. at the press conference. So we'll get into the show. It uh, opened up with a uh, global ambassador himself, Titus O'Neil, uh, narrating this video package and hyping up the Logan Paul and his one lucky shot that he has to land on on Roman Reigns and. And then uh, what, what got a lot of attention from people was the the opening signature to the event uh, featured mm-hmm. Naomi and Sasha Banks. And a lot of people pointing out that it appears that this was an old signature that aired. There was no Ric Flair mm-hmm. woo in this, nor a Cody Rhodes. It seems like this was a, a very likelihood of a mistake rather than a, a nod to the audience of, hey, Naomi and Sasha Banks are coming out and we're revealing it in the opening signature. But this certainly caused a lot. To a Saudi Arabia show, yes. Exactly. A show that they're not booked on, yes. Yeah, I think that this might have been a mistake. Now, look, sometimes, sometimes, you know, mistakes are on purpose or mistakes are fortunate. So maybe maybe this was a hint. Maybe it wasn't. Certainly, uh, Sasha has gotten some attention the last couple of days for that, uh, that Instagram story where she's hinting at big things to come in the future. And should probably lead to a lot of speculation for the uh, Survivor Series in Boston. Like, I think that's a show that oh God, yes. whether they yeah. try and drive you, that's naturally going to be um, a focal point from people to to expect her, whether it's uh, happening or not. Commentary team was uh, Michael Cole and Wade Barrett, um, who was uh, who was over here for the show. <laughs> and we go into our opener with Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley, a rematch from the Royal Rumble. And this match was just your... Your video game start where it was Lashley hitting Lesnar with multiple spears, both on the floor and in the ring, and leading to Lesnar kicking out and his knee getting uh, uh, sent into the steps. So we had Lesnar having to um, 
remember to sell his knee at, at different points and then others power through uh, an F5 and he hit that, which Lashley kicked out from. Uh, then we go into the German suplexes and Lashley hits a spine buster and the audience was like soundly booing Bobby Lashley at this point. He, had, he tries for the hurt lock and Lesnar is in the hurt lock. He's screaming that he does not want to give up telling the referee to sh- leave him alone and Lesnar struggles to the corner, kicks off of the turnbuckle and just plants himself on top of Lashley for the pinfall in six minutes, one second, evening this series. And uh, Brock Lesnar, six minutes of work here in Saudi Arabia. Great if you can uh, if you can manage it, uh, th- this line of work for Brock, and uh, mm-hmm. gets, gets his win with Lashley and probably a rubber match down the road. Lesnar very, I, very rarely does long matches, and when he does, they are ones that feature, like there's there are these sort of, distractions like they they go down a different avenue where other people are interfering or there's anyway if he's going to go full on like this it's always going to be a short match so as soon as he saw it i think get started and and you know that lashley doesn't have anyone else in his corner who's going to come in to to mess with things so you pretty much knew that this was going to be uh, a quick one was this Um, underwhelming to you was this sort of what you expected going in this was very underwhelming for me and i'm disappointed because i'm not the biggest fan of either Lesnar or Lashley. He's just not the the type of uh, performer I like. I'm not sort of like a, a, I'm not the sort of big meaty men slapping meat fan that some people are, but I get it. There's a lot of demand for this match. And I thought that they bungled it at the Royal Rumble. And so this one to me was the make good and they did not make good. It was a very, like you can have a quick match that's a lot more exciting and well worked than this one. And there was, there was action, but it just didn't, it never felt like it got out of first gear to me for these guys. And I guess it sets up uh, a rubber match, but having now had two matches that I did not think came close to living up to the potential that these two have, uh, I don't know that I'm that excited for a third match. I can't disagree. I I thought the finish was really lame. Um, You know, they started it in the way I think you would expect, but I I think it's, it's sort of become pattern now for these, these Lesnar matches of just the, you know, big move, big move, big move and get people into the, the idea that the match can end anytime. Fair enough. But I thought the ending was, was very clunky. And when you couple it with some of the other finishes on this show, like this was a show that uh, really was in desperate need of just, just give me a clean finish anywhere. So Mm -hmm. this was like compounded on, to matches that were still to come. But I agree with you. I thought this was very underwhelming because the build I thought was very good uh, on television, Mm -hmm. but the match certainly did not live up to that. And um, yeah, it's Lester versus Lashley. It doesn't need like it doesn't. Yes, the build was good, but doesn't even need that. It's it's a marquee match. It's one that people have really wanted. And it's one that you screwed up on what was to me inarguably your worst show of the year. uh, If you're WWE. So this was, you know, this was Triple H. He had a chance to correct a mistake, and he didn't. (laughs) Yeah, afterwards, Lashley reapplied the hurt lock, and the story from Barrett is that Lashley kicked Lesnar's ass, and Lesnar got lucky. (laughs) Awesome. I'm glad I invested so much time. Uh, The guy who lost uh, was the the true winner in in all of this. So there we have it. If you get lucky, you still win. Like, that's, that's how these things work. It's, you don't need to dominate someone to beat them. They can be smarter than you. And 
beat you that way. And that's well, what that, that was. That was the whole hook for the main event. It's not about talent. It's about one lucky punch. Luck is going oh, to kick. Oh, but God, if I never hear that phrase again in my life, Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> they, they really overdid it with the, uh, the one lucky punch. Oh, Following wow. that was our uh, our rematch for the women's uh, tag team championship after the title switch on Raw. Asuka and Alexa Bliss against Dakota Kai and Io Sky. Byron Saxton interviewed Asuka and Alexa backstage as the Bray Wyatt image flickered on the screen, which threw off Alexa Bliss. Uh, so not only did Michael Cole acknowledge this, uh, WWE tweeted out this specific clip. So the in case this was too subtle for anyone, make sure you understand <laughs> the Bray signal threw off Alexa. They have a history together. Did you notice that that particular distraction that caused? I didn't know anything about this until you just mentioned it. Yes, the uh, the same company that's relying on you to find source code. Uh, they want to make sure very <laughs> clearly that you saw this. Um, so um, this really did not play any factor in the match. Like Alexa was thrown off or anything like this. I don't know if, the, no. if this is just like a misdirection for people to the, assume that there's something happening. But the lights seem to go a little wonky. At one point, but that either, which has been happening. Maybe, maybe I had a stroke. I have no idea. But. No, that that's been something that's been pointed out, like mm. the lights flickering of like that potentially uh, meaning something. Um, all four women were dressed in like the bodysuits that we had seen earlier this year. And I will mm-hmm. say it's it, it's a much improved look than the oversized T-shirts, I, I will say. They have come a long way. Yes. Uh, I'm glad that they have they've seemingly negotiated the the difference down to from you can't show anything really about the female form to you can't show skin. I re- I actually really liked the damage control sort of Power Rangers gear. I, I thought like the suits, honestly, like I thought yeah. they look, they look pretty cool to be, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you had like Bailey, like in, in uniform with Dakota and, and EO as well for, for her match as well. So I, yeah. I think this is a much more improved look. It doesn't look like these women are going for a sleepover somewhere. So that's, uh, nope. that, that is a step uh, forward. They have their, their, uh, uh, their costume department has risen to the occasion. Good for them. Uh, Asuka and Sky were tagged in. This allowed uh, Michael Cole to once again drop his uh, his Joshi history of uh, triple tails and their their history together. Uh, we had Asuka and Bliss working together, uh, sending the two to the floor. Uh, Sky hit this double underhook backbreaker uh, to Bliss, but not could not climb to the top as Bliss stopped her and hit the code red. And Asuka uh, injures her knee in the midst, so they're kind of playing off the uh, the injury attack from Dakota. Uh, Dakota and EO several weeks ago that took her off television playing off of that. Sky then distracts Bliss as she's going for Twisted Bliss and this allows Kai to get the knees up. Sky missed an Asai moonsault to the floor and then Bliss hits a DDT on Kai, climbs up to the top for Twisted Bliss when Nikki Cross appears out of nowhere and hit the swinging neckbreaker to Bliss allowing Dakota Kai to pin Alexa in 12 minutes and 51 seconds ending the five-day title reign of Bliss and Oscar, and it goes back to the incumbents, and that and that was that. So uh, an, another okay. another odd finish here to this show. I thought the match was going fine, and this was a, yeah. a run in finish, which was uh, we, we did not get a, a, a plethora of clean finishes on this show. It did not strike me as a kind of as a match that really belonged on a pay per view, though. Like it, it struck me very much as a very good TV match. Um, I don't. And it was good. It was like, I'm not arguing that, but it just didn't seem to have like, it didn't get really, it didn't like rise to a level of intensity that I expect from, uh, you know, marquee matches. 
It, it almost I felt guess. like they, they probably viewed it as such and felt like yep. the title change was necessary on Monday to give some purpose for this match that, okay, we have a title change yeah. on this show. Like that seemed the, the sole purpose of doing the title change on Monday. Yeah. And I don't think that it's the best idea when you're rehabbing these women's titles to have it bouncing back and forth as much as they have. You've now had uh, three champions in two months and you've had one, like you have one set of champions who's won it twice. Like that is, I don't necessarily think, like, I don't think that you have to have someone holding on to a title for like a year, but I think that you want to have a fairly strong champion established and have uh, feuds built around them. At this point, it very much feels like we're just treading water waiting for Naomi and Sasha to come back. Like that, that is very much what the division feels like. It's just, oh, we better get the titles back on, you know, the heels have to be carrying the titles because this is what, you know, this is what's in the cards. And it just doesn't feel like they, it doesn't feel like they have a medium term plan for the titles. So we shall see. Um, but yeah, I thought the, the match was fun. Really, uh, I, I was really curious that Asuka is very over. Mm-hmm. There, and you saw it at the the press conference, and you saw it t- tonight. Like she was the one people wanted to see, absolutely. And uh, I'm I I would love to have a better understanding of why that is because it, it just it, it kind of caught me off guard. A lot of Kana fans, obviously. Yeah. Probably, probably <laughs> way, way back. Do, yeah. do you see this program being the the War Games match in a couple of weeks? Um, I think yeah, War Games. You have to. It has like, to like be damage control, damage on control one side. and someone. Uh, I'm not really sure who. The problem now is that I think you've you've been doing the um, damage control versus Bianca, Asuka, and Alexa for a while now. So you've kind of run through a lot of those matches and damage controller winning on the tag side. Bianca has very clearly been winning on the, the singles title side. So it's a little difficult at this point. Like I kind of feel like I'm ready for another feud in the women's division, but you don't have another, another faction that you can turn to right away. So we'll see. Yeah. It, it feels like it's, um, like it just feels like every Monday we're getting some iteration of this match. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you do have something unique in, in war games that is a new wrinkle on it, but it certainly, I think would, would help this feud to get some, some new players I- involved. Yeah. And that, that well, seems to be a necessity for if this is going to be the war games match. Well, I guess also because you already did the six woman. So like even that, like you really need something to, to serve as a game changer on either side because we've already seen these teams go at it with all of them well we had the uh the game changer that was the steel cage match that uh followed this uh first of all the the paul brothers uh appeared uh arriving at the arena and they were interviewed by byron saxton where logan said he's going to shock the world you know why kate because it only takes one lucky punch the level of repetition here would make vince mcmahon cringe it really would like i don't know at some point, I was waiting for like a, a, a punchline because it seems so obvious and so incredibly repetitious that he's like, this has to be self-aware. But if I it, know. If Vince McMahon has figured out how to log into Peacock, he would have been very happy, I, I think, with some of the aspects <laughs> of this particular That's show. That's my boys. Yeah. 
So Cross came out with uh, with Scarlet, a pretty elaborate entrance for the two, and then uh, out out is Drew. And uh, speaking of game changers, Wade Barrett called it a game changer when Drew caused a car accident involving Karrion Cross. I call that a crime, but um, game yeah. changer, <laughs> crime, which whatever so, your your vocabulary uh, is. Uh, maybe I, I don't know. Like, what's the game? Grand Theft Auto. Like, <laughs> Not Abo- really above sure the law, that apparently, is what that <laughs> means for, for Drew. Uh, international yeah. man of mystery here that can just uh, skip skip the uh, get out of the country and go off to Saudi Arabia, and perhaps there's no outstanding warrant when he returns. And, and hey, look, they like apparently, you know, vehicular like attempted vehicular manslaughter is not a problem in Saudi Arabia because Drew was way over. They they liked him. It was, I mean, for, for certain, I mean, it was, uh, he, he was met with a hero's welcome here, uh, as he, uh, showed up here. Uh, he hit a, uh, Michinoku driver and then did a, uh, his, his sit up suplex off of the, the turnbuckle, but then cross stopped him with a running knee and then screamed, I'm going to hit you. And Drew was ready for this after the warning because he stopped Carrion from hitting him by blocking cross and throwing him into the fence. Then Cross landed the Doomsday Saito, and with Drew laid out on the floor, Scarlet yelled, take him down, to which Cross was like, are you watching the match? He's down. He's unconscious at this point. <laughs> so it just, uh, they were very loud, and I'm like, listen, it's like impossible to ignore them, but when I'm actually listening to what they're stating, I'm like, these are some very um, odd verbal cues that are that are being exchanged here. So he goes for the uh, the cross jacket and then hits him with the cross hammer. I don't think he has to name everything after the cross. I think we can we can we can cool it on think, on some of these. Yeah, we we got it. It's your name. Good for you, sweetie. So, so with cross uh, crawling towards the door, McIntyre applies an ankle lock, crosses out, and then McIntyre lands the claymore. Um, Oh, but I, I skipped over. This was Drew that was climbing towards the door first, and he was stopped with Scarlet's mace. She maced him right in the eyes, and he was at least his vision was enough that he could land this claymore and then find his way back. But now Scarlet has locked the door, and she has the key. So Drew then starts to climb the cage, and Scarlet is worried because she has now locked Carrying Cross inside the cage. So she frantically goes to unlock the cage door, but she is too slow because Drew quickly gets to the bottom on the floor, wins the match, and they put all the heat here on Scarlet that she made a mistake and cost Cross the match. I don't think this is what steel cage matches were intended to do of uh, be a racing contest. Um, but here, Drew wins 13 minutes and one second. And then for, for one more, <laughs> one more statement from Drew, or sorry, from Carrying Cross, he yells on the floor, this wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry, Carrying Cross is just hilarious in this match. Oh my God, yeah. I'm going to hit you. This wasn't supposed to happen. And all I could take was that this, this feud just must continue, Kate. Uh, we will have to have some, you know, we've gone through car wrecks, uh, international cage matches. There has to be one more fight to the death between it, these two. Can it be like a cone of silence match? Like, can we just like no talking? No, Karrion Cross no would never enter things. that because he wouldn't have a prayer. It would, it would not be possible. <laughs> um, yeah. These two have anti-chemistry as far as I'm concerned. Like, whatever I, I like Drew. Um, I think he's, he's had, uh, he's had some, some good runs and, uh, very good matches, uh, in his time on the main roster. I think that I've never been totally sold on cross and 
I'm starting to feel more and more vindicated about that. But whatever it is, like I've seen Cross be better in matches than he is with Drew. For whatever reason, these two just seem to bring out the least entertaining aspects of each other's uh, wrestling personalities. Their matches are kind of slow and formulaic and uh, yeah, break down into these very silly shouted exchanges. Um, and yeah, I have, ooh, I was promised that this would be the end. I was promised. And it doesn't look like it is. It didn't. It feels and like I- they're, they're going to squeeze another match out of these two. And it just seems to be, uh, it feels like a holding pattern for, for Drew and for Cross. It's like, this is his first program since coming back. And I don't think he's lit the world on fire with the, with this program. It feels like they don't want to just have him run through Drew, who's coming off that loss in Wales. And, and yeah, and, and to be quite honest, like it's, it's a prominent enough position. That I don't think Cross has, you know, beaten the door down of people demanding that this guy go any higher than this. Like, it just feels like he's come back and he's fine. But that's what this match was to me. It was fine. But I, I think uh, I don't remember if it was you who was talking about this or way. But when he started at NXT, he came out and he had this awesome looking entrance and really had this like great presence. And you were immediately like, OK, this is the guy. But then it never quite like even though he became the the champion and then you know he got injured he came back and had to to win it again but even by the time he beat Keith Lee for the championship it sort of felt like it just he wasn't quite as special as he'd seemed at first and it was much more like okay now is the time when we move the world title from Keith Lee onto Karrion Cross but I find that the same thing has happened when with this run since he came back which is you know, the the way he sort of very unexpectedly came back. It was like, oh, shock. He feels like a big deal. But then he just, it, it, it hasn't happened. Like he's sort of, you know, that star has been diminishing steadily. And now it's becoming, it's gone from being sort of meh to, okay, this is becoming actively bad. And I don't think, in both cases, part of the problem is that the audience just did not stay engaged with him. And that is very much an issue that they're going to have to face with him now. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Saxton interviewed Roman Reigns, who arrived with the bloodline, and he's asked about, you know, Roman, it only takes one lucky punch. Just, you know, I didn't notice until you brought it up, like how often it really was. Like it's in almost every segment here. Uh, I've got yeah. one lucky punch written here. Uh, Roman was just as tired about this as you were, Kate, because he just walked off and didn't even answer Byron. So Heyman had to cut the promo, calling Roman the greatest offensive player in the history of WWE. Not the most offensive person in the history of WWE, but the greatest offensive. That's a much player. tighter race. Yeah, yeah. Roman's not in the other uh, category. 
Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio against AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, and, as identified by Michael Cole, the never-open-weight champion himself, Carl Anderson. So there you go. For, for and if you were fans looking, out there, there was yeah. uh, the acknowledgement. If you were looking for any kind of reaction to this match online, the only comment that I saw was about them mentioning New Japan. Like that was it. Like this is like that, you know, that was all, I think New Japan was trending at one point in the middle of this. Like that is what people know. That was what, that was what they grabbed onto. Yeah, it, it was quite the explanation by Kevin Kelly on the Osaka show this morning as Yujiro and Hikuleo are coming out for their much anticipated singles match. And Kevin Kelly is explaining that, well, Carl Anderson is still the champion. Um, but he got a better offer somewhere else. Uh, he's now under contract to WWE and he chose them over us. And it just made like this explanation. Oh. I was like, man, do we feel like just like the, the triple A league is what it, what it felt like when he was describing wow. this. It's like New Japan, they cannot move on from this quick enough. I don't know why they're just so, um, fixated on the idea. Like even if you have the chance to deliver this match, I don't know why you're so adamant about doing it. It's not a big match. It just makes you look like the inferior company that is just holding your hands together, praying that WWE allows this man to come grace you with his presence. And it just, uh, to me, it's, it's just like, I, I, I don't know. I don't see the value in it. And it just makes New Japan to me look really silly in this whole thing that this guy One thing, yeah. went and took a better uh, offer. What I keep seeing, um, the, what I've seen reposted a lot in recent weeks since this has become a thing uh, is that clip of Tetsu Naito talking uh, at a press conference about why it was a bad idea for New Japan to constantly be comparing themselves to WWE because if you were comparing yourself, you are ceding the position as the leader to them. And yeah, that absolutely relevant at this point. Uh, I think that I, I, I cringe for, I haven't seen the, the show from earlier today, but I, I cringe just picturing that, uh, uh, that explanation. They are making themselves look worse with every, every day that they let this go. They stripped Moxley of his title over a typhoon. <laughs> like this is not, that was completely out of his control. This is, you know, it, you look pathetic. Well, uh, explanation aside, I think you'll really enjoy the show. It was actually, it was actually a very strong, uh, New Japan show. And, um, and, and spoiler, the Ujiro match, they kept exceptionally short. So even, I even heard me, that. I was, yeah. I was, I was very happy. Um, Michael Cole, he was explaining Dominic being brainwashed by Rhea Ripley and compared it to when, uh, someone starts to date someone that the family doesn't approve of. And Barrett was very quick to push back and said, they have never stated they are dating Michael Cole. You are making that up. It was almost like this, this, uh, implied relationship that has never been part of the story. And Barrett immediately like squashed that when, when Cole was alluding to it. Um, the OC, they just took turns in the ring with Dominic, who is such a better heel. Like he's over, he's undersized against everyone. And the way he just begs off and stuff, I, I think like this heel role has, has really done wonders for, uh, Dominic. It just seems like a much better, um, 
better role for him to be playing. And he seems to be, you know, I'm not going to say thriving at it, but I think it's been a much better fit than maybe we would have thought when, when this turn initially happened. Um, Priest comes in saving Dominic from a magic killer. Uh, Gallows was in. So we got to see uh, him resurrect the Gallows pole. They hit on Dominic and then Ripley prevents Styles from hitting the phenomenal forearm, dropping him on the edge of the apron. And Michael Cole just screams, someone has to kick her ass. Michael Cole just lost it here. And Balor hits the fallen AJ with a shotgun drop kick and coup de grace. It is AJ that takes the fall in 14 minutes as the Judgment Day uh, gets the win. And and the OC, they, they really need to work on finding this person to combat Rhea Ripley. They've talked about it for weeks. And this would have been the time to maybe have that in place because it, it would have uh, helped them out greatly here. The only thing I'm thinking is that uh, introducing obviously is going to be a woman who comes in to save them because none of them are going to hit Rhea, apparently, even though she's been like chucking them around like sandbags. So I think you're going to get uh, a better reaction. Well, not when I say better, I mean, bigger reaction from the crowd to a new woman joining the stable on TV in the United States than you would in Saudi Arabia. And so I get why they didn't do that introduction here what I then don't get is why they had this match in Saudi Arabia. Like, this didn't really, they didn't add anything to the card. It didn't are, advance. Are you saying the they could have given all. Carl the weekend off to, to go travel? <laughs> Ultimately, <laughs> are you saying that this match was the- not necessary on the, on this card? It almost seems like they just did this to create uh, a headache. <laughs> almost. Like they oh. could have, they could have, they could have easily delayed this whole thing and only had. Anderson debut on Monday. Uh, yep. A hundred percent. Like literally the story did. about this was like, yeah. Rhea has messed them up at every turn. And it's like, we mm-hmm. need someone to combat Rhea. And here's the big pay-per-view match. They don't have somebody in place and Rhea costs them the match. Like I thought you guys just look foolish here. You knew what was going to well, happen and it happened. Well, especially because apparently on a couple of house shows, they've had Raquel Rodriguez. Right. Sort of, sub in with them which she's not the one i would have chosen i would have gone with uh the piper nibbon dewdrop uh who i I think you know would i i I just think that she needs something a little uh something new to refresh her and i think raquel's doing fine on her own but uh so you've already teased this it's out there so you're not you're putting this match on the show it doesn't accomplish the story is no further along than it was on Monday and you didn't do your big reveal because this wasn't the place to do it. So you can do that on Monday. So why was I watching this? Why was I watching this sort of unexceptional match? Well, we wanted to have another finish that has uh, some, some kind of interference or, or distraction uh, attached to it thus far. Yeah, they're relying on those a little heavily now. <laughs> Then it was the true main event for everybody. Omos versus Braun Strowman. No MVP after he was uh, taken out on SmackDown. And the two mm-hmm. go face-to-face in the ring. And, uh, well, it's more uh, face-to-chest here as uh, Omos places his hand up in the air. They have a test of strength. And then Omos uh, pretty much takes over this match. He is throwing Strowman around. Uh, Omos, they are also relying on him just 
nonstop trash talk as he's beating down on Strowman. And Strowman comes back with some strikes and tries to clothesline Omos over the top, doesn't go, tries a second time to get him down. And then Strowman goes for the freight train and runs right into Omos, which if I had not seen uh, just days ago, Darby Allen running into Sutton, yeah. this might have been a bit more impressive, but I just thought yeah. this times 10 yeah. on Wednesday night. And- exactly. Like that. And and such a perfectly gifable moment. This was like uh, uh, that, oh, was that was unbelievable. Exactly. The replay of that of just the way Sutton was like the man didn't budge off of Dark. No, like he, yeah, it just didn't. It was like he got hit by nothing and just sort of like there, there's this arm movement where it's just like like I I've I've had more violent reactions to moths flying into me. <laughs> <laughs> well. Omos, as he's controlling 95% of this match, has the the fatal mistake where he misses an avalanche in the corner. Strowman lifts him up and hits a power slam, beating Omos in 7 minutes and 20 seconds. In many ways, the exact same story as Lesnar and Lashley, where one guy Mm -hmm. kicked the other guy's ass for 95% of the match, but then made one mistake, and it was uh, a loss, uh, costing them the match. Um, I'll I'll say this. like This was... uh, Above what I was anticipating, which was dreadful. Um, at the same time, I don't think anybody is looking out for this kind of a match in 2022. I just think tastes are so much elevated at this point with, uh, the, the average wrestling that is out there that I, I don't know if this is going to stand out to, to anybody unless there's still a novelty with size, which there may be for some, but, um, this uh, there, to me was the worst. Did- there did seem to be a bit, a lot of reaction to the big guys from the audience in Saudi Arabia. So maybe the tastes there are, uh, are a bit different. Uh, they, maybe they still do still get into, uh, a lot of these. You know, they hadn't hosted a lot of shows. So they're, you know, they haven't seen big guy matches in person the way that North American audiences have. Yeah. This did nothing for me. This is, I'm not, um, do you see a future for, for Omos? Like, do you see a, a role for him, um, you know, lo- long-term of what you do? Like, this this was kind of, you know, his first big singles loss. And I don't think this is by any means the end of Omos, but it does bring up, like, you brought back a Strowman. He's now beaten your existing monster. And, like, where does that leave an Omos? Like, what kind of role is he filling on the shows? Yeah, I don't... I don't know if Omos has really ever moved beyond the uh, sort of bodyguard position. Like, I don't know if he has ever gotten good enough to be more than what he was when he started on the main roster as AJ Styles muscle. So I, I, I don't, I don't think that he has the versatility or the depth of moveset to be really entertaining to uh, audiences for a longer period of time. I think that, Strowman, he like the audience audiences like Strowman. He's the big guy that they like. And yes, almost is bigger, but I, I don't think that matters a whole lot. And I just, yeah, I don't see, uh, I, I don't see him working as a good standalone character the way that he currently is. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, this, this love in with, with size, I think it's so much from a bygone era where it was, you would go in person to these live events and you were being, you know, 
promoted by people that were, you know, seeing these individuals in person. And I'm sure you go and see Omos in person. I'm sure he, it's, he, he is a breathtaking figure in, in person, but to the average consumer, I don't think size translates anywhere near the perception of what it does. And I think Omos gets, you know, a, a lot of passes just because of this size. And to me in, Mm -hmm. in this modern landscape, I just think that's a really tough role to be in unless you are really, really special and have a, a level of charisma and personality that complements your size. But if it is just the size, that's a lot to be able to hang your hat on. And Braun is a much more versatile performer than Olaf's. Mm-hmm. And that seems exactly. to be what, what this program uh, comes out of yeah. uh, with Braun. This whole thing felt very Vincey to me. Yes. Yeah, yes. Um, not Usi Vincey. That's right. The Usos against Ridge Holland and Butch, the Ridge, the fridge, as they um, once again, Michael Cole comparing him to a fridge. So really trying uh, working overtime to get that one uh, over. Uh, Jay comes out and his arm and wrist are all taped up and they explain that he is working with a wrist injury sustained on the recent European tour and he's going to need an MRI on Monday. And uh, this clearly sounds like a legitimate injury and they do have the tag title match scheduled for Friday, but work the match. It didn't seem as though he was all that limited in, in the match, but um yeah, hopefully this is not too he, serious. He kept using that arm, though. Like, he kept hitting people with that arm. So, yeah, you know, so I don't want to see him re injure it or anything, but it's protected enough that he felt comfortable doing strikes with the, the injury. Yeah, and got involved in the main event. Like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, if it, if it was severe, they would have greatly limited him on, on this show. But it's, you know, he's in such an important story right now. I'm sure the last thing he wants is uh, any time off. So, um, anyway, the, ma- the match proceeded. Um, probably the most popular person in this match was, uh, thousands of miles away. And that was Sami Zayn, who got a chance, not just at the press conference, but then during the match itself, as they were chanting, uh, we want Sammy, which I don't think was coming from the government, uh, but rather the fan base inside. No, that was, that, that was just awkward for everyone concerned. <laughs> it was, the, and then Jay yells, Good for them, well, though. Well, yeah. And then Jay yells, well, you're not getting him. So there you go. Um, Holland uh, gets a hot tag. It's like Ridge Holland is not the most dynamic performer in the world, but he has improved a lot just working, yes. uh, you know, nightly with Seamus and with Butch. He's got his role here. I thought, you know, he's trying to get the audience engaged during his hot tag. Like he, he has made significant inroads, I think, through through this pairing with mm-hmm. the uh, with, with the brutes and such. Um, they take Jimmy and they stomp his elbow onto the stairs um, as a receipt for what they did to Seamus as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy goes for the Uso splash. Butch catches him with the triangle and is uh, twisting the fingers. Uh, but then Jay comes in, super kicks Butch, breaking up the submission. There's a double Uso splash that Holland saves. And then the brawling brutes hit their uh, the northern grit with, uh, with Butch's kick. Uh, again, Jimmy makes the save. And it's Butch who gets stopped on the turnbuckle by a super kick. And they send him off the turnbuckle into the 1D as the Usos return retain the tag titles in 10 minutes and 49 seconds a clean finish uh nice looking 1d um i'll take it kate this was a uh, I, I it was a, fine a pretty nice satisfactory match yep. like at the like a a higher end like smackdown level tag match i would yeah. say uh i think uh, reflecting on it now yes i think it was a, a good match they performed well my when I was watching it at the time, I did not enjoy it, but I realized that I did this to myself. I was expecting that to be a very good match, and it didn't hit the level that I wanted it to, and it didn't hit the level that I think these teams are capable of. That's on me. 
it was they did they did just fine. They did uh, good. It was a the uh, a very uh, I liked the the end spot. I think that uh, that really added something sort of upped the intensity level. So. I, I feel this, and and perhaps they were somewhat uh, limited with, with with whatever Jay is dealing with. Yeah. I also think this would have been a pretty hot opener uh, as well, like just put into into that spot um, as well. But it was a uh, yeah. I, I, I thought I, at this point I was like watching this show, and it was like nothing had really grabbed me at this point. And I wouldn't say this was far from like match of the show, but it was uh it, yeah. it was above some of the other stuff that I found to be rather underwhelming. I yeah I think I, even last night I was saying I expected this to be the match of the show so at, in the moment I was not thinking as highly of it I think even having had a a, a couple of hours to digest I it it was a it was a good match well a couple of hours is what uh, the the rest of the show was because we got a lot of time allocated to the final two matches of the show last woman standing match for the Raw Women's Championship Bianca Belair defending against Bailey and they got multiple weapons involved right from the get go including a ladder and chairs later there would be a table that was not going to compromise at all um <laughs> Bailey uh took the uh, the metal portion of the barricade swinging it into a uh, Bailey's head um they were working very hard here from from the onset and then Belair tried to escape and gets uh, she she's placed underneath the steps so she's trapped under the steps and then bailey places a ladder over top of the steps so she's trying to trap her so that the 10 count could be administered so she's got to fight out and then overcome kendo stick shots from bailey then they fought up the apron where uh, a bailey to belly was hit and uh they didn't go too over reliant on the uh on the counts and kind of save them uh for, for the end where they could maximize the drama <laughs> But then Bailey disappears backstage and returns in a golf cart. And, um, okay, my first rule on this show was that an eight-match show should not go three hours and 40 minutes. My second rule is that when you're using a golf cart and the target is not Sammy Guevara, not going to work. It's a, it's an unfortunate thing, but as soon as you see golf cart, that's the spot that everyone's going to think of. And they weren't going to recreate that. Quite honestly, we shouldn't try. No, no. Listen, <laughs> Bailey was the most cautious driver you have ever seen. Um, I mean, it was. Um, I, I I could make a reference here that this was our most progressive spot on the show that we did have uh, a female driver. So that's that's good. It does reflect the laws in the country. So <laughs> Bailey so cautiously drives this cart and. Belair was getting out of her way. She's like, I am not taking any chances here of anything no, no. going awry I've... here and got out of the way. And then oh, Sammy posted some photos at one point of the bruises he got from that first time he, he took that. And it wasn't nice. I'm pretty sure Bianca was like, yeah, no, thank you. No. <laughs> so I've already traveled like, you know, 13 hours to, <laughs> like, to get here. I'm not going, I'm not sitting on a 13 hour flight going back with those kind of bruises. Then they fought onto the roof of the golf cart and Bailey is on this roof and Belair starts driving down the ramp. And I'm thinking, like, what's she going to do? She's going to slam on the brakes and send her flying. Thankfully that I, I was like, what, what is the end goal here? And she, yeah. she cautiously breaks at the bottom. Bailey is on top. And then she yanks Bailey off the roof so that she can go through the table. This table does not break. I was like, Oh God. Um, and then it always Michael, feels, I always feel worse when it does like when they when it doesn't break. It's like, you know, that hurts more. 
And I'm thinking, oh, is this the most awkward spot of the match? No. It was seconds later when Michael Cole uh, made reference to this being the Live Golf Tour. Like, do we really oh. need to like just inject this? Uh, let, let's just uh, move into that. We're not the only ones involved in sports washing here. <laughs> so Belair then power bombs Bailey through the table. Bailey gets up at the count of nine, and then Belair misses a four fifty splash, crashing onto a series of chairs. And the end comes. Belair tries for a uh, rose plant onto the chair. It's stopped, and Belair lifts her up, delivers a KOD, dropping Bailey's knee onto the chair which Cole immediately ties into her injury, which I thought was a really cool spot, and then trapped her in between the ladder in the corner. Bailey could not escape this ladder and was counted out at 10 in 20 minutes and 27 seconds. And I I thought this was the... uh, Best match on the show. I thought that they were Absolutely. really, really yeah. hard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, th- this was a crowd that, I mean, they, they were not like blowing the roof off of this place throughout this show. It was, you know, sometimes the atmosphere was like up and down, but um, I, I just thought this match was really laid out very, very well. And yeah, yeah it was my match of the show. Yeah, mine too. And I think that I wasn't a big fan of the ladder match that they had at Extreme Rules. I was a big fan of their match last year at Hell in a Cell. And uh, I thought that this was much closer to that first one. Uh, I really liked the ending. I thought that spot at the end was so clever. It's like, oh, hey, right. Like, it's she can't get out. It's it's stuck. Oh, that's creative. And uh, even the way that Bailey kind of sold it, where she was trying to get out at first, as the count's going on, she realizes. And then it occurred to her she could try to slide out to the side, but it occurred to her too late. She couldn't get out in time. And I thought that it was just very well worked. Um, I did think that they, they missed an opportunity though, when Bianca was sort of stuck in the stairs. Um, first of all, I didn't get why the ladder was going to hold her in to begin with. I thought <laughs> if she had just crawled from under the stairs, under the ring and actually just sort of popped up in another place, I thought would have given you a great visual. Like as, as the, the ref is administering the count, if she just sort of stood up behind him, I thought, you know, missed a very gifable moment there. <laughs> Maybe she thought she was but, just going to erupt from underneath these steps and stand up and <laughs> smash her head into the ladder and be knocked out. Maybe that was the thinking for, for Bailey. She was, she was playing chess in this game of checkers. Yes, exactly. A uh, crowd actually seemed much more on Bailey's side uh, on this one, which was interesting to me, but I guess Bailey's the, the still the more known quantity, but uh, yeah, I didn't like the, the crowd wasn't as engaged in this match. I can't, I guess, given the way the show had been to that date, it's just uh, to that time, it was possible that they were just like, okay, <laughs> we, like we were wait- we were expecting something a little more, perhaps. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I-, I thought they they performed really well. Like this is a tough spot where it's like you know you're getting a pretty lengthy main event coming coming up mm-hmm. as well. Um, they were second from the top, but um, yeah, th- this was a very very glad to see match. that they got that that they got positions there too. Mm-hmm. A lot of time uh, warranted uh, towards the match and and deserved mm-hmm. it. Like they they had me yep. engaged throughout the the whole thing. Absolutely. So at that point, I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, okay, we're definitely not starting at three, and I'm ready for this main <laughs> event. And then it th- this to me was my turning point because Bray Wyatt's music hit, and my reaction was, oh, Bray Wyatt. <laughs> me too. That's exactly what I did. I was just like. Oh shit, man. I thought we were going to, like, I thought we were I, I was right stretch. back to like 2020. I was like, oh, Bray Wyatt. <laughs> he came out and 
he talks about his prestigious wrestling family that he comes from, that he wanted to be great since he was a child, but he couldn't just be great. He had to be greater than all of them. And this crowd, they loved Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're chanting, mm-hmm. yes, you are. We love you. I mean, this crowd just loved He was trying to do the self-loathing and sort of self-pitying thing, and they just were not having it. None, <laughs> none. Like- they were going to be his pick-me-up here. He made a monster of himself and wore that mask with pride. He would no longer feel pain while wearing it or be afraid. He was untouchable, but this monster destroyed him and it ran off. He was everyone. untouchable in the mask, something which he is saying unironically in the city where he was pinned by Goldberg. Uh, yes, yes. Well, the mask, <laughs> it didn't have international powers, uh, Kate. So that was you know, the, just uh, l- l- let's not let history dictate where we're going in the future. Wyatt said people love the idea of him. But they don't actually love him. This audience contradicted that. And we got our first we love you chant. And this is not the end of his story. He is here to rewrite the ending of his story. And with that, Uncle Howdy appears on the screen and asks, why wear a mask? You can't fool him. And Uncle Howdy asks if the people will still love Bray if they knew the truth about him. And if this secret has anything uh, on par with The Miz and Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis's uh, hidden secret, I don't know if we're ready for this secret to be revealed. He said, if you're afraid of the aftermath, you never have to take off the mask. Tell me I'm wrong. And thus concluded probably the longest trip for an individual to go to another country to redo a segment from SmackDown a week ago is what this felt mm. like to me. Um, I didn't know if we got much uh, progress here, but this was uh, this was the Bray Wyatt portion of the show that they obviously felt Bray Wyatt. We wanted to have some representation of him on this card. Well, and and clearly, look, the the crowd wanted it. They, oh, they, they the crowd said, was really they, they into this. Him. Yeah, like so. This is this was done for the 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 live audience. Um, Given the length of the show, I wonder if maybe this is something they could have done just for the live audience and maybe done as a web exclusive because this did like the show was feeling long at this point. And yes, we just had a, a really good match, but to that point, it was the only really good match as far as I was concerned. So then thinking, okay, one more match, we're done. And then having this kind of, it did throw the pacing off again. So I'm, I, I absolutely understand the decision is the correct decision to have him go there to appear before the audience because they really wanted it and they loved it. But I don't know if it was necessary to include it in the body of the show proper. Mm-hmm. And it, it was interesting to look at sort of the, you know, who was on this show, because it's not like this was a all hands on deck show, like no Rhonda, mm-hmm. no Seth, no Riddle, like so, some of their like big current stars on on top mm-hmm. of, you know, you you have a lot of injuries out there. But, you know, Bray is the hot star. And I, I see, like, the reason, yeah. even if there there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, storyline progression for this, but more so just um, so, sort of a lateral stuff with the mm-hmm. Uncle Howdy character. But now it was really time for the main event, Roman Reigns taking on Logan Paul. And um, Reigns comes out with Heyman, Logan Paul out by himself uh, because we would be having the uh, the come on down moments later uh, towards uh, the the end of this. Um, Logan Paul early on, he's utilizing some of his wrestling skill, including a uh, standing switch and then a fireman's carry. And uh, Michael Cole noting that sources close to Roman Reigns camp believe that Roman is not taking this seriously enough and no one can get through to him. So we will see if that's a story that is explored later. Who is who is the leak inside of the bloodline that is uh, fueling Michael Cole with this uh, speculation? So uh, 
Paul then clotheslines Reigns to the floor, and you can see here that Reigns is starting to get frustrated and starting to take Paul a bit more seriously. And then Logan Paul introduces his buckshot lariat. Uh, what, what did you think about the form here um, as, uh, as Logan Paul? Um, well below Hangman, well higher than Punk. <laughs> what a, what a, some, some extremes there. <laughs> Paul followed with a, a big springboard and he gets nailed uh, by a right hand from Reigns in midair. And Reigns just like shuts him down at this point. He takes over and Paul lands a gut wrench and then hits his own Superman punch, but he can't climb on top for the cover. Instead, he does the kip up um, a la Shawn Michaels that they were noting uh, helped train him for this. I thought it was weird to kind of do this spot so early, the Superman yeah. punch, because like this was this was the whole story of the match was if he lands this and they were going to do a bigger spot with the Superman punch later. Well, and the thing is, I, I guess credit him, he hit it really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> his that punch looked devastating, and you didn't expect like. Yeah, you expected that to be a bigger moment because I remember it happened. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Are we already getting towards the end? So um, credit to him. Thought he, it, it looked great. But yeah, like, I guess I didn't – it surprised me that they did it with that much of the match left. Yeah, to me, it was like the way you had built this up. It's like once you do the big punch, like that's got to be to me like the the big near fall. Um, so anyway, he does execute a standing moonsault. Reigns kicks out, then signals for sweet chin music. And um, it did not look like this was going to be um, a sweet chin music based on his delivery <laughs> method. But he was caught and hit with a rock bottom by Reigns. And then Reigns misses with the Superman punch. And it's Paul that lands the right hand that drops Reigns and he follows with a big Superman punch. And this leads to the big near fall. And this was pretty much what the whole match was was built towards was this one mm-hmm. big near fall. And then Reigns is placed onto the announcer's desk by Paul. Paul goes up to his entourage, who got front row tickets here in, in Saudi Arabia, and takes the phone from one of his pals, yells, you're going viral, which interestingly enough was the original finish for Hogan Andre at WrestleMania, but it got nixed at the last minute. Andre really wanted to uh, have that moment. So Logan Paul climbs to the top turnbuckle and hits a frog splash while holding the phone. I mean, just total gimmick infringement here on Austin Theory, who was uh, nowhere to be seen in this whole match. Yeah, that was the that was the funny thing is like they do have a guy who does this, but of course Logan Paul, it's much more his thing and re- sort of recreating that that big spot from his SummerSlam match uh, yeah. where he did the 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 tape like the dive to the announcer's table. I'm very sure that this will go viral. I'm sure that this will be one of their who, who will most get ownership of, of the of year. This- who will be uh, the ones to get to post this on their YouTube? Will Logan Paul get it on his YouTube channel or will WWE get this clip on their channel? <laughs> I got to think that WWE is going to insist on this one. You know what, though? I'll bet they both put it up. Uh, I'll bet that they want to get the, the – to maximize your impressions, I'll bet that they, they're just going to say, you know, split in half. We both get to put it up. Maybe It's just a maybe, race to see who gets it there first. Maybe they'll uh, they'll split TikTok and uh, – some other social ones and then Twitter. Twitter can go right down the middle. <laughs> so the, yes. The Usos lining show up. up like Europe pre World War One. <laughs> exactly. The Usos appear and they go after Paul's entourage, super kicking both of these guys who are who are never really identified by name. I, I don't need any Logan Paul fans to inform me who these guys are. Um, and this leads to Jake Paul, who gets his own entrance and music comes out and 
this was the classic Kate of like someone who's an actual like fighter having to do worked punches. These punches looked awful. And oh my god, <laughs> they look terrible. I mean, I, it's like you think naturally, it's like oh, a striker is going to have a tremendous looking punch. It's like when you have a legitimate striker that then has to throw mm-hmm. a work punch, and they've never done it before. This is what you got, and or Jimmy. Yeah, exactly. And Jimmy and Jay, I mean, credit to them. They they sold this like they were uh they were hit with they, two they, lucky punches. And they yep. were out. Um, no, it reminds me actually that yeah, like uh, something Kurt Angle said about Ronda Rousey, where it's just the the toughest thing for her to learn was to like how to hit people and not hurt them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. that's you know you've trained your whole life to do it the other way around. This yeah, that uh, these punches. My like my grandmother throws harder punches and she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, Kate just uh, poor, poor Jake Paul here taking it. Uh, hey, I don't want to take. A, I don't want to take an actual punch from the guy. Believe me, but this is this was not a. This was oh, not a one of these. I'm 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 sure you could you, you would be okay. Uh, Logan hits another frog splash. Reigns kicks out, and then Solo Sokoa comes out. He gets his own entrance, and it mm-hmm. leads to Logan hitting a big dive onto the Usos, and then slides into the ring right into a Superman punch, followed by the spear. a lucky Superman punch. A lucky Superman punch. You're right. And Roman pins him in 24 minutes and 49 seconds, retaining the Universal Championship. And uh, I've got to say this. This was not my match of the show, but I thought this was like another really solid outing for Logan Paul. He's he's a tremendous athlete. They structured this around several near falls. The audience was really into it. Um, a lot of run ins. But you know what? For a match like this, it's like. I expect smoke and mirrors and stuff like that. Yeah, it's, and it was always going to be a spectacle match at a spectacle show. It and enhanced the match for me. Yeah. So I, I've got to say, like, I, I was pretty disappointed with this show, but the last two matches I, I thought were, were for, for what they were. And that was pretty much the last hour or so of the show were, were the strongest mm-hmm. of, of the whole show. It was my second favorite match on the show. Me too. Like the, the, the women's title was, was absolute, like far and away. I thought the best one, this one was, this one was good. I think that Logan Paul has a, an excellent sense. Like he's a, he's a very, very good athlete, but he also just has an excellent sense of showmanship. And that is one of the reasons why he is going to thrive in this environment. And I think that there was, what I would say was a clear tease that we're going to get uh, either the Usos uh, or uh, Solaskoa and a partner against the Paul brothers at some point. It certainly felt like this was not a one-off with, with Jake. I mean, having the entrance and the video, and I just think like someone like Jake Paul, you're out there in front of this this crowd. I mean, you know, we have, we have seen some of the the reports of like how his pay per view did last week. It's like I. I certainly see him at the very least WWE trying to help his star power. Like I, I think people have a very inflated sense of how big Jake Paul means on some of these boxing fights that um, I, I think Logan probably sensed the same. Like I think it helps these guys being associated with WWE as opposed to, you know, the Pauls adding all of this outside attention to WWE. I think it's, you know, they're the benefactors. It's here. a two way street. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. That was, that was crown jewel. Um, I'm I'm gonna go thumbs in the middle on on this show, and it's uh, pretty much off the the last two matches, which were a sizable portion of this show. The rest of this, it just felt like a very inconsequential show. A lot of programs that didn't feel like they wrapped up. It was just a pause to get to the next match between them. A lot of uh, non clean finishes that just kind of wore on for for me during this undercard. But the uh, the last woman standing match I thought was 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 very very strong. Yeah, I. I think 
it's interesting because originally people would get, you know, regardless of the, the social and political issues associated with doing shows in Saudi Arabia, people seem to get very frustrated that these shows were just, they were kind of stuck in there and they didn't really do anything. And you had to ha- like, you had to sort of quickly build up all of these matches that didn't feed into any storylines that it was just kind of off on its own, but you had to make them feel like a big deal. And then in some of the more recent shows, they have actually been integrating these, it, 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 these shows into stories and that they, it has respected the character arcs and the storylines that they have going on TV and through other pay-per-views. This one felt like a step back in that regard because it just felt like there, there was nothing that was advanced here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you did have the, the, as I said, the spectacle match, the sort of just were uh, between Roman and Logan Paul, where it was just, we're going to do this. It's just for Saudi Arabia. We'll get back to your regularly scheduled programming after we're done this, but this is just an insert. So you can kind of get over that, but uh, Bianca versus Bailey in storyline terms, it felt like that feud was done. I really liked the match. I thought it was very, very good. And I'm not going to, I'm not upset that we got it, but storyline wise, it was it just, it did just feel like you we're sort of tacking something onto a feud that had already culminated. And with the other, uh, with the other matches, it had that same thing where it just, you weren't moving anything forward. And I guess you did have, through some trickery, you had the title change for the women's tag titles, but that's it. Yeah. In some ways, it felt like one of those old Saturday night's main events where you've gone to all the different cities with the feuds and then you put on Saturday night's main event at the end when, you know, you've, mm-hmm. you've exhausted it and, and gone and toured the, the, the match around everywhere. It certainly had that feel to it. And you're right with the Bailey Bel Air, like the, the latter match was really built up as kind of the, the last chapter there and they extended mm-hmm. it. It was a great match, but you're right. It was, um, you, you sort of felt like we've, we've hit the finality with this program and, and we probably haven't because with this war games, it's, um, you, st- they, they certainly need to, I think, you know, get some more people involved because I think as much as the matches are enjoyable, it just feels like wash, rinse, repeat every Monday that we've got the combination so many times over and over. They, they haven't on the whole been enjoyable enough to make me want to keep seeing them week after week. And, like this, the the the, the, the Bailey Bianca match tonight is the strongest I think that any of these pairings has produced. But just on the whole, like okay, I think we've we've had since SummerSlam, we've been going through this, and it hasn't really, you know, it has run it. It, it feels like it's run its course now, and unfortunately, now you're looking at a, a, an event where you have to do some teams. So, we'll Want to uh, give a shout out to uh, to Rico Suarez becoming a member at Video dot postwrestling.com welcome aboard uh rico if that is in, in, in fact your real name we have uh one piece of feedback here from a uh, cave on from glasgow scotland while i still can't bring myself to watch the saudi shows i did catch the highlights on twitter and it's great to see how far the women's division has come from not being featured on the first three cards to tonight's extremely fun and vicious looking plunder match plus the first women's title change in the kingdom with eo and dakota i'd still rather they weren't there but given they are i'm glad they've continued to push for more inclusion on Rewind to SmackDown, both Kate and Way seemed convinced that the Usos' New Day next week was a foregone conclusion. Could you guys see New Day picking up the win, Jay taking the blame, and a title shot for Jimmy and Sammy? That could also open the door for one more match with Jay and Roman during this run, which I'd love to see. Shout out to Kate. Always a very welcome addition to the shows, which I will say. Thank you so much. 
Um, any, um, pro- any probability of a title change on Friday? I don't see it. Uh, I think, um, not with the, the new day. The new day, new, the new day feel very cold right now. And, uh, the Usos, I, I like the idea that you could play with expectation, but just the new day are in a position where the audience is going to accept them as a bigger deal than the Usos. And you, you want your titles to be on the people who feel like they, uh, they are going to have the greatest impact. Uh, so no, I, I think that this is something which is geared towards uh, having them break that record. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a little unfortunate that it does seem to just, again, that it is a, to me, it's a foregone conclusion because you'd like there to be some, uh, you'd like there to be some suspense, but, that's not what we're getting. Any prediction? What would you like to see uh, for from the men's side of things in the uh, the War Games match at Survivor Series? As the uh, they're going to have to start the build pretty quick. That show is in three weeks. Yeah, yeah. I think that the the nice thing about the War Games format is that it's an exciting format on its own. If you just mm-hmm. give me some good names like that's it, I'm in. I don't. Like, it's it's going to be. Like, I don't need you to to hit me over the head with a lot of things. Uh, coming up, I wanted, I want a decent build, but it's one of those ones that it's like the match itself is going to, is, is just worth tuning in for. I assume that we're going to get a bloodline thing. I'm kind of assuming that it's going to be the bloodline saw Roman. Like, I don't, I don't see them putting, I, I don't know if I see them putting Roman in uh, a, a sort of a group match like that. Um, I'm just looking here. He, he is advertised on the, the event page for Survivor mm. Series. So, um, mm. possible, but, um, you know, a, a, as I noted, like, I think the bloodline thing is strong enough that if Roman was not in that match, I don't think it hurts mm. it. I think you've got enough mm. dynamics with the, the other, uh, bloodline members. But, um, you know, if, if, if Roman's on the match like that, that makes yeah. sense too. It, it, it does. Um, I think that the whole, uh, the, the, the crux of that, that that match is going to be about the role that Sami Zayn plays in it. And in a way, have, again, that's why I think like in a way having Roman involved in the team might actually be a bit of a distraction because I, I think that this is, this is going to be what sort of pivots the story towards like Sammy and the bloodline eventually sort of you know, the, that becoming more of a conflict however you want to, to sort of frame it. I also think that if you're going to move towards like Sammy falling out with the bloodline, then it's, it probably means they have to lose. And I don't know if they want to have Roman on a team that loses. Yeah. To, to me, the value of the bloodline losing is Roman not being in the match. And how does Roman react uh, yeah. after sending mm-hmm. them into to war games to represent the tribal chief? So mm-hmm. um We'll probably have those matches uh, put together fairly uh, quickly with the uh, with the short turnaround. Um, but that is going to bring a close to our uh, Crown Jewel post show. So, uh, Kate, I want to thank you very much uh, for doing. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. It, w- it was great to have you the on, show, uh, I mean. on for this show and uh, for Friday night. If people have not caught it as well, patrons can go at postwrestlingcafe.com and check out two hours of Kate and Way reviewing SmackDown and a very unique episode of Rampage featuring Katsuyori Shibata taking on Orange Cassidy with a very a very uh concentrated and and researched Mike Tyson who was was ready I I felt the man was auditioning for future work. Yeah. I did not expect that. 
All right. Well, I didn't expect um, any of that. <laughs> I would certainly uh, recommend for people if they've not seen the New Japan show, and I won't give out uh, any results. Uh, main event is a must see. Uh, I'll put that on your on your homework list, Kate. Um, this weekend is uh, is the Nick Gage Invitational on your menu. Yes, uh, I do. I, I I am probably going to check that out. Um, I was one of these things where it's like, oh my god, I got a whole lot to catch up on because I do want to watch New Japan. But yeah, I. I um, I will probably also be checking out some GCW. And, th- and this is with the new, uh, the the whole new uh, Fight Plus deal that uh, goes into effect with this this show on Sunday. Yeah, like, you know what? It's really embarrassing. I haven't actually checked out all of the like how that uh, how that works up here. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll see. This is a good. It's a, it seems a very good deal for for them. I'm trying to work out how it's going to make money, but like, it seems like I mean they're running pay-per-views at like, you know, 20, 30 bucks a pop every two weeks. This is. <laughs> Look at that. The great Jay Hunter from OSW. Great stream, guys. Very easy and enjoyable. Listen, could we have a greater compliment than, oh, thank than, our, you. than our favorite uh, Jay? Uh, check out all uh, OSW, by the way, they just did a show on all out, including the, the, uh, the post, the post press conference chaos and the it's, real uh, main event. <laughs> Some fantastic stuff from uh, the crew over there. All right. We are going to sign off. Um, this day has gone a lot longer than I expected. It started at 7 a.m. watching New Japan, and now it is 5 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, I'm off oh the clock goodness. tonight. Uh, Kate, thank Kate. you so much. Uh, do follow her on Twitter. She keeps up on everything, and she will let you know her takes because uh, she is the one and only Kate. And you will be uh, hearing her voice plenty here on the Post Wrestling uh, Network if we're so lucky to have you uh, coming back, Kate. Oh, I think uh, anytime you want me. Anytime you want me. That is it. And uh, Monday night, Way is back with myself. Uh, we will partner up once again on Monday night for uh, Rewind or Raw as uh, we come off Saudi Arabia and look towards Survivor Series. So thanks to everyone uh, for joining us in the live chat. And that is it for us. Thank you for tuning in to our Crown Jewel post show. On Saturday, November 19th, post wrestling turns five years old. Congratulations to John and Wei Ting on five-year anniversary of post wrestling. Uh, it's been a great five years, long-time listener, and uh, from podcast to merchandises, we've all enjoyed what you offer to the wrestling community, and uh, looking forward to what the future has for post-wrestling. Keep up the great work. Leave your memories at memo.fm slash post-wrestling, and join us Saturday, November 19th at QXT's Nightclub in Newark, New Jersey, for our five-year anniversary show, presented by our friends at Real Digital. A live Q&A, the post-origin story, VIP meet-and-greet and event t-shirt with the largest gathering of the post community ever. Tickets available now at postwrestling.com slash live. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. 
new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.